In this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Crystal Tyree. Crystal did join us on our diversity roundtable discussion. Uh, we've been trying to get this to work ever since, but finally got to connect and sit down and talk about being a mom in athletic training. And also just going back and continuing to learn and discuss and listen on the topic of diversity and race in athletic training. So it was great to finally catch up with Crystal and get this episode, and we really think you'll enjoy it. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please give them a shout out. If you are looking for anything in sports medicine, again, ideas, whatever it may be, they're willing to listen. They're doing a lot to reach out to the athletic training community uh, to get feedback to make sure that they are providing what we need to do our jobs the best we can. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with repeat guest Crystal Tyree. Um, Crystal was on our roundtable on race and diversity in athletic training um, and we had been meaning to do a follow-up shortly thereafter um, and I, I'm pretty sure we had something scheduled and then um, my daughter decided to come a week early and it just threw everything that week out the window but uh, Took us till December 20th is when we're recording this to get back on, but um, there's plenty of good reason for that. Not so much from my end because we haven't really had sports, but Crystal has been very busy. Um, and that's one thing we're going to highlight big time is um, being a mom in athletic training, uh, especially at the high school level, which I can only imagine how busy that is. And I've, I, I don't know that I could do high school athletic training. You, you, that group is unreal on how you can balance life with the amount of things that happen um, before I keep going I want to turn it over to Crystal to just fill us in on a little bit of background and then we'll jump right into it uh yeah so my name is Crystal Tyree I'm currently an athletic trainer in the secondary setting um in Houston Texas um about this is my second high school job in Texas. Um, I just got here two years ago uh, for the past, before this, I worked at another high school. Um, and then before then I was an athletic trainer in Mississippi um, for an outreach for a PT, a physical therapy clinic. Um, I did my undergrad at uh, Southwestern College in Winfield, Kansas, um, graduated in 2010. Um, after that, I um, moved to Commerce, Texas, where I was a graduate assistant athletic trainer there. I worked uh, women's soccer and um, cross country and track. And then I finished up early um, in December, moved to Dallas for a couple of months, did some contract and uh, actually worked club volleyball with my roommate um, for a couple of months. And then I uh, finally got a job in Mississippi, um, worked there for about a year, and then that's when I moved to, I worked on my teaching certificate, because um, I, I knew I originally wanted to get back to Texas, and that was a big thing that they wanted, was you to have your teaching cert, so I worked on that when I was in Mississippi, um, got a job, 
um, actually had applied for another job in the same school district, but they had already hired someone. And so, but the person still reached out and was like, another school district is looking for an athletic trainer. Would you still be in it? Or another school was looking for an athletic trainer. Would you still be interested? So I was like, yeah, um, I actually had that year. I was flying out of Dallas to go to NIT. It was in Vegas. And yeah. so they had called me when I was in Vegas and was like, hey, could you come down for an interview? Um, so luckily that I flew out of Dallas, I flew back into Dallas and drove to Houston mm -hmm. for the interview and then had the interview and then drove back to Mississippi. So it was just oh. crazy how that all worked out. Um, and then about two years ago, in not two years ago, God, I feel like it's two years ago, <laughs> four years ago in 2015, I decided to um, apply for the DAT program at the University of Idaho. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, but I did it, stuck it out, very hard, very challenging. Um, actually uh, graduated in 2017 from the DAT from University of Idaho, go Vandals. Um, so, and now I'm just working as an athletic trainer. Um, I had my baby girl um, about a year ago, December 3rd. I had actually found out that I was pregnant and I had just got a new job. <laughs> so I was like, great. <laughs> um, so yeah. And um, so I had her and we've been living in Texas or living in Houston, you know, doing our thing. <laughs> are you utilizing the teaching certificate at all? Or are you strictly just asking? Yeah. yeah, so I am utilizing it. So when I first got um, my teaching cert, I did health and I was able to start off with health. And then, you know, crazy enough, I did health and then they wanted me to teach health science um, at my old school. So I was I was uh, just starting the DAT program and I was teaching a new um, course. So it was, yeah, no it was, big deal. Yeah, so crazy. And it was actually another certification it was a, a different like like, I don't know, um, specialty or whatever you call it. Can't even think of it off the top of my head right now. Um, <laughs> So I did health science, and then after that, I did med term um, for a couple of years. But at my current place, I'm just using doing sports medicine. And with sports medicine in Texas, you don't necessarily have to have a teaching cert. Um, you can be an athletic trainer and teach it, but they want you to go through this uh, course, which is um, done through TSATA, as a sports medicine course that kind of certifies you to teach sports medicine. Um, I never did the course, but since I am an athletic trainer and I have my teaching cert, I can teach that. So, gotcha. um, so right now I'm just teaching two sections of sports medicine. Very nice. Yeah. So I, you know, I, we reference, you know, I'm, I'm only five and a half months into being a parent um, mm -hmm. and an athletic trainer, but I honestly haven't had any sports to deal with, which was going to be its own unique thing this fall. Right. So I, some people have asked me and I say, I honestly have no clue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have really haven't gone through it. I've probably, I know I've gotten to see my kid more uh, because I've been having to work from home and whatnot, but mm -hmm. how has year one gone um, um, working in the, the, the secondary high school, you know, the high school setting and being a new parent? Um, honestly, I mean, it's gone better than expected. Um, so when I came back from maternity leave. I was just four weeks in and then we got shut down. So 
I really didn't get to experience that very beginning of it because, mm-hmm. you know, we got shut down and I was able to spend like six months with her at home. So that was, I was very lucky with that. Um, plus I saved on daycare costs. Um, so, but year one, I was, I had a bit of anxiety about it um, because I'm a planner and I know that like schedules can get changed and there can be last minute scheduling conflicts. Um, but it definitely went better than expected. Um, I'm just going to be transparent. I'm a single parent. <laughs> so that in itself is a challenge because um, I don't have the support of the other person per se. Um, but I, I have my village of people and they are amazing. They're great. Um, it really does take a village <laughs> and you need that village to help you um, get through it. Because if it, wasn't with the, if it wasn't for them, I probably would have quit. Like, there was no way I could do it. Sure. You know, my, my parents live in Arkansas. You know, my closest relative is in um, <clears throat> Dallas. You know, so I had to, like, one of my friends said, FTSOS, you got to figure that out. So that's basically what I did. Um, I found a really good babysitter. Luckily, she was actually a former um, student of mine. Okay. Um, when I got there my first year and she was, she was just amazing. Like she was, she'd always check on me like when I first had her. And so she had watched her one time um, when I had a game, when I came back and I, I like, I was like so scared. I was like, can you please watch her at the school? Cause like, I, I don't, I'm not ready yet. And so she did, she came up, she watched her. And so I just reached out to her again. Luckily she's doing online schooling. She's still at home. So, and she's been great in watching her and picking like me, me, at daycare and taking her back to my house so um it definitely went better than expected um i say the biggest thing is to make sure you have a good support system and that your um your job understands like your situation obviously with me being a single parent if she gets sick i'm gonna have to leave like there's nobody else um i had to do that on friday um and then just i mean my the, my co-worker is great he understands um yeah so it went definitely better than expected um there were some stressful situations just because of like time like timing and schedule changes and like oh god like what am I doing so but I think like I said I figured it out (laughs) how how has that gone um with you know working I will be the first I've never worked in a secondary setting so I don't know how that necessarily goes working with coaches and Mm -hmm. obviously they change practices but those change a lot of different things. I've only been mm-hmm. in a setting where seemingly it's with the coach that changes things on a whim and then you're supposed to adjust, which we've right. we've worked on um, in my role. But then uh, we just had an episode a few ago with Nate Irvin, who mm-hmm. I thought this was really interesting in, in his setting in D3. Like he's completely on a scheduled basis for when he sees the student athletes, which mm-hmm. I kind of do, but – we not always with our stuff but I thought that was really unique that might obviously not be feasible in the secondary setting just because yeah schedules don't exist like gaps in schedules don't exist because they're in school pretty much all day no um, they do not <laughs> how has um, it gone you know working with coaches and administration um so like you had referenced a co-worker that's really helpful but you know I've did it come to like setting some boundaries it's just like hey like I need X amount of time, if at all possible, right? Change. So we're real like with our um, scheduling. Luckily, there's three of us, or 
two and a half, I guess you can say the other person is at outreach. So we do really good with like planning ahead and planning the schedule. And um, I think, I don't know if there's like a specific policy in place, but um, we never really run into any issues with like last minute schedule changes. Um, we use a calendar. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. It's called Sports U. And we also use Rank One. So anything that gets changed has to, like, we have to see that email. We have to see that it's done. Um, and it's usually, I mean, it's not really, I, I've never had an issue where it's been like last minute. Like, sure. Well, they're like, they're, the venue's changing to here versus being away. It's usually a couple of days ahead. So we we get a pretty good heads up for the most part. Um, I think one situation, um, so this last, the week after Thanksgiving was my daughter's birthday. She was, it was on December, December 3rd. Our coach, we didn't have it. Well, we did have a game scheduled, but it was canceled. Um, but it was going to be that Friday anyway. And so that Thursday I had planned to get my daughter's pictures taken and to just to spend the day with her. I was going to take a half day and our coach scheduled a game on that Thursday and I was like oh "Oh, god great so I was flipping out well I was just like I already scheduled pictures like I already planned to take it like it was my daughter's birthday and they're big on like family first so I knew they wouldn't have an issue but to me like as an athletic trainer you feel guilty because you're like like we have a varsity football game like I gotta work so um with that, luckily, you know, like I said, we have another AT and outreach. And so I just reached out to him and I was like, hey, like I had already planned for to have my daughter's picture taken that day and to take a half day. Would you mind helping cover, you know, the varsity football game with my coworker? He was like, absolutely. So and I told him, I was like, you know, I can take basketball from you. And, you know, it worked out. But, you know, there's never really been a situation to where, you know, there's a conflict, you know, and we weren't notified about it. Um, we, we rotate, you know, like one person will stay late for practices and one person will get to go home early. So um, we do a really good job with that. As far as with athletics, of course, athletics is every period. Um, we teach, like I teach two, two courses and he teaches one. Um, so there, we don't really get a conference period. I don't know if you understand conference period, but it's like a planning period. Okay. Um, my conference period is actually boys basketball is going on. So, I mean, it's not a big deal to me, but like, you know, it's a law that you should have an uninterrupted conference period. Um, so, but we do good with it. I mean, we manage it pretty well. Um, so last year wasn't too difficult because obviously we didn't have the pandemic, but with this year, we got to spread out athletic periods to make sure there's enough sure. room for everybody. So there is an athletic period, every period, um, but we do, we have treatments in the morning. Um, our school starts at 7.15, so we'll rotate every other week. Like one week, it'll be my morning to show up early, and then next week will be my coworkers. Um, and then after school, we'll do treatments until like 5.30 or the in the practice. Um, so not really major issues with that. Nice. I know that was one question I was curious as to your take on, and I've, I've heard this and seen it, you know, does, does the profession lend, especially in the collegiate and secondary setting, you know, lend to being a mom in athletic training, you Yeah. Know, whether, and I say it in quote, if people are just listening and not watching this, you know, traditional in quote, right. 
roles and things, obviously that doesn't apply with you um, mm-hmm. in terms of being a single mom. But yeah, I know I've had a coworker who, not because of this, has not, but she, because of the demands, has moved over into just academic, um, mm-hmm. much older. Um, but that has alt- is ultimately going to make it easier for her. I know, even I was. Uh, am slash was stressing about it um, mm-hmm. what it's gonna look like um but between every football game and track meets and the whole bit so what right. are your thoughts with um Just, is it possible to maintain you know the traditional role be in the traditional setting in athletic training and be um, i think i think it's possible it just um it just depends on what like your what your surrounding what your surroundings is like like you could like I looked up and I have a great like administration staff like I there was a reason like I got that job and I was pregnant like it's it's been great for us but I could say that like if I was still pregnant at my previous job like it would not have been the best situation for me um and I probably would have left um just went you know a different route just because like I just knew it wasn't the best setup but I think like it just depends on what your goal and goal is and you know for me it was about you know proving and showing that my daughter like I could still do this like I did you know like I'm her role model so I want to you know show that like I can still work I can still be an athletic trainer um like I said you just have to have that support system and if that's like if that's something you want to do if you want to stay in athletic training you want to stay in that setting then figure out how to do it and um, just continue doing it. But I mean, it just all depends on like what situation you're in. Sure. Um, I don't think that you necessarily have to leave the profession altogether when you become a mom. Um, you can go to a different setting with better hours. You can go into teaching. You can go to an industrial setting, you know, physicians. And there, I don't necessarily think you have to leave the profession. And I think that's where, um, a lot of people get like you know confused about or you know oh I need to leave no you don't have to leave the profession like there's other you can still do athletic training and be a mom I believe um but when you are trying to look and find another setting to, with better hours don't go into an employer and say oh I became a mom and I want better hours. don't don't say that to them because that's not you know something that's say that you are wanting to be challenged or say that you want to have a better work-life balance or you're looking to use your skills in different areas no don't say it's because you know I want better hours or something like that so I definitely think it's manageable and doable awesome what else about being a mom and an athletic training that we ha- I haven't asked you because I've only, uh, only coming from it from one side of the coin. Right. Um, gosh, I mean, it is hard, uh, especially on those bad days when, you know, you're dealing with a non-compliant athlete or an athlete that has an attitude or sure. a parent that's yelling, you know, is the, the, like, you're like, why am I putting up with this when I can be home with my child? <laughs> like, I mean, like <laughs> those days <laughs> go through your mind, like, like, why am I listening to you? Like, I can be at home with my child right now. So, um, but yeah. Um, and then, I mean, if you have an opportunity to bring your child to work, bring her to work, obviously not right now because there's right. a pandemic. And 
you know, um, let, let your coaches help, let your coworkers help, let your students help. Like they want to, um, like the other day I was at a football game, like crazy as it seems my head football coach, his wife was actually pregnant at the same time I was and had her child a week earlier. And, you know, um, the other day she had asked me, she was like, why don't you bring her to the football games? I'll watch you. And I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Like I never took her up on the offer, but just things like that you don't think about, but like, obviously people understand like, and they're willing and wanting to help. So don't be afraid to ask for help because that's how I was before I had a child. I never wanted to ask for help. Um, but now I can't be like prideful. I got it. It's just me. So I have to ask for help. <laughs> can understand that most definitely yeah um shifting gears just a tiny bit um mm-hmm. actually didn't have this on the list but since you brought up your dat mm-hmm. um, just curious and this is i've asked this for everybody you know what what drove you to go and want to get a dat i think you're the first person we've talked to with the dat from idaho we've got it mm-hmm. from still and a few from right. um indiana state right just curious you know a what why the dat and then kind of be like dat versus phd other than you can get the dat done a little quicker which sounds really appealing at times Mm -hmm. um, just curious (laughs) um so i honestly i have always wanted to get like like i always wanted to go to the end like i always wanted to get a post-professional degree sure Um, i just didn't know how because obviously i needed to work um and I honestly I think I may have like was that NATA and signed up for something and you know they sent out those emails or whatever and so I got the email from them and I looked into it and it was doable as to I could still work only required to be in Idaho for four weeks in the summer I was like oh that's easy um so yeah I just went ahead and applied for and got accepted so yeah um it was a very hard time in my life. <laughs> um, but after I finished the DAT program, I felt like a better clinician. Um, with the DAT, it also opened up, you know, my um, interest in entrepreneurship. Um, we didn't really go into that in the DAT program, but mm-hmm. just the different um, tools and um, different, you know, treatments and stuff that we learned um, kind of opened up you know, my idea of going into um, business as an athletic trainer. Um, I've always said that like the position I want isn't out there, so I have to create it. Um, So yeah, that's kind of how I got interested um, in entrepreneurship. You know, the DAT had you thinking outside the box. And so, um, yeah, Uh, with the DAT, um, a lot of people get confused. because each program is different. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's a clinical doctorate, but we did as much research as it with the PhD, if you were going for a PhD. Um, I think now they may have two different avenues. You can go the DAT route or you can do the PhD route. I'm not quite sure. Um, but um, yeah, one of the biggest reasons I did it was just because I was still able to work. Um, they require you to have a clinical residency, which could be the place to where you worked. Okay. Um, and so I did my research at my, not my school now, but my previous school. Sorry if you hear my daughter, she's in my crying. Um, but uh, so yeah, it worked out great. 
Um, I met a lot of amazing people there um, and we still keep in touch today. Has it benefited you in, in your role um, because of having the elevated degree? I don't think it has benefited me that much other than maybe a salary increase. Sure. Um, I haven't really used it much other than what I've learned as far as like treatment and the way I approach my clinical practice. Gotcha. Um, and people ask me like, what do I plan on doing? I, I honestly don't know right now. You know, I had a, I had a child, so it has been in the back of my mind. Um, maybe mm -hmm. I'll Thank use you. it in the, huh? And being in a pandemic, I feel like all future plans kind of get thrown into. Right. So uh, maybe I'll use it in the future. I'm not looking to get into academic just yet. I do some adjunct, mm -hmm. um, but I but I enjoy the secondary setting. And like I said, I also want to try to venture out into the entrepreneurship side too. So um, hopefully it'll help me there. What is that I mean, entrepreneurship is honestly it's something we've had a couple people on for. We've got another one coming this. Uh, well, it'll be the week of the holidays um, by the time this comes out, so people can go back for it. Um, yeah. What do What do you see you wanting to do in the entrepreneurship realm? Because it's always been something that's fascinated me. I personally don't know if I have the stomach to make the jump. Um, right. But I, I applaud anybody that is, and I always like hearing the ideas. Obviously, you mm -hmm. don't a business plan or anything, but just where do you see like entrepreneurship and AT and your yeah. Um, well, right now I love like I have so much experience like teaching and just mm -hmm. with adjunct with um, with high school with you know educating coaches and CPR. So my idea or in a perfect world with me is like develop a, um, a company to where I go out and teach different things like CPR. And I don't know if anybody's ever heard of, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Rod Walters. I hope you have, but um, he's an educational consultant and he yeah. actually um, investigated the death of Jonathan McNair at Maryland. And okay. so it's kind of, kind of similar to what he does, but not, you know, I don't know if I'll be up to that caliber, but um, obviously just go out and, you know, evaluate people's uh, EAP plans and make sure everybody's CPR certified. And, you know, if they're not, then teach CPR and go over your EAPs and emergency action plans. Um, just because you never know. People don't talk about EAPs and emergencies a lot, but it can happen and you want to make sure everybody's prepared. Um, and then also just do some athletic training stuff like with specifically like physically active individuals but not athletes so people who are you know work out in the gym or who are you know physically active you know your marathon runners mm -hmm. um your I forgot what you call them but those people you know be available for your, them your what your weekend warriors. yes weekend warriors that's it weekend warriors be available for them as well because I, I think they need an athletic trainer as well well, that sounds awesome. Um, you'll have to, again, we're having this conversation before the episode's released, but it'll come out afterwards. We've got mm -hmm. one coming up that they're in the thick of trying to set up something very unique, like I think somewhat what you're referencing in terms of the care of the mm -hmm. everyday athlete kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. We're trying to work through some of the legal and logistical um, right. difficulties that come along with that. And 
I, mm-hmm. I think the idea of like, you know, that consultant role, I know for us, mm-hmm. we always had the stuff and it was in our policies and procedures, but then our exercise science department had Doug Casa from Corey Stringer Institute mm-hmm. do a guest lecture and you know, I don't know that he actually intended to do this, but good Lord just scared the crap out of me in a really good way to like mm-hmm. fully jump into our stuff and be like, okay, this needs to be so much better and we need yeah. to get through. And, you know, I have, obviously everybody was certified in CPR, but, you know, pushing for more a- AEDs, mm-hmm. doing everything, having more than just like, here's how you get EMS to you and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. I, that that could be super useful and it's the whole you know pay right. pay salaries and do this stuff instead of settlements kind of concept right exactly um if you're open for it i know one of the other topics we were going to talk about which is originally how we connected um mm-hmm. on the topic of diversity and inclusion um mm-hmm. in athletic training specifically um but even beyond that, um, have had some great follow-up conversations with uh, 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 Mercedes Hemmons um, and really got into that. And so uh, would love to just continue that discussion if you're up for it. Sure. Um, I know one of the questions I had is, you know, what barriers do you see existing for you know minorities and uh, persons of color in getting into athletic training? Yeah, so the obvious barrier is financial cost of education. Um, You know, when I was, you know, applying for schools and colleges, I had no idea about loans and, um, you know, all I knew was like apply for FAFSA. Like I had no idea what interest rates and all that stuff. So the financial cost of education is very expensive. And I think for minorities and people of color, we our financial literacy is not the greatest. And so that could be a barrier to um, getting into athletic training. And then more specifically, I think that, you know, and I'm probably gonna ruffle a little feathers here, but like, you know, now that athletic training has transitioned into a master's degree, you're looking mm-hmm. at four years of school versus five. So obviously that's gonna be more cost for you. Um, and then also um, underrepresentation, you know, most accredited programs are at PWIs. You know, we've got one uh, accredited program out there at HBCU, but, you know, most programs are at publicly white institutions. And so there's not a lot of people on campus that are going to look like you. Sure. And um, so the ones, programs that do have you know, a lot of minorities and people of color are the programs that are in your diverse areas like University of Houston, MAT program. They have a lot of minorities and people of color in their program, but of course, you know, you're in Houston. So, um, but most programs aren't like that. Um, so there's an underrepresentation at schools. You know, you walk around and people think, most people think you're an athlete, you know, so, <clears throat> which, you know, is not the case. Um, again, with that not being supported by your academic institute, um, you know, not every black person on campus is an athlete. Um, There's not other support systems out there um, on campus for people of color or minorities. So um, you don't have that. And then the lack of family support, a lot of families um, that come from, you know, people, people of color or minorities come from families that don't know what athletic training is. Um, luckily my parents, I think they were kind of 
I kind of knew what athletic training was, but for the most part, you know, parents and other family members don't know what athletic training is. And, you know, their main concern is, is this going to make you money when you graduate college? So um, I think those are some of the barriers that exist to minorities and people of color. I know the next question is, uh, you know, what opportunities can be created and, you know, you gave a big list and uh, you kind of answered it already, but I was going to ask mm-hmm. you, I think the transition to a master's is ultimately becoming, an, it's it's another potential hurdle or, you know, point that could be a barrier. Um, because like you said, I think, you know, for our setup, it's actually another two years of school because we're mm-hmm. post, you know, I don't even know if it's technically professional, whatever, whatever a master's mm-hmm. degree is designated as, but that's what we're at. Um, mm-hmm. But thoughts on, you know, op- other opportunities and things that can be done to help change that? Um, well, of course, scholarships uh, specific to athletic training. Um, there's scholarships out there, but you and I both know they're, they pay for what, a book? <laughs> um, so, um, I just for a few in my home going back to school and it's even the dread of, you know, I've written a 150 page policy and procedure thing. You know, what's a three page scholarship application, but man, still didn't want to do it. Right. It only pays like what, $500, $1,000? <laughs> said. So, we'll, we'll yeah. Get considered. Right. So like scholarships and scholarships that are specific to athletic training, you know, you have your scholarships out there that are like STEM or mathematics or, you know, biomechanical engineering. And there's some that are specifically for minorities and people of color, but there's not one that is big enough for to pay for school all four or five years. And that's specific to athletic training. And to me, that's a problem because you have all these big companies out there and vendors that athletic trainer trainers do business with you know how come they can't provide a scholarship for somebody like J&J or Gatorade or Powerade or Medco or Normatec like somebody could find a scholar or they could get together and find a couple of scholarships for somebody um so I just think that you know there should be better scholarships out there um paid internships I think would help um you know, right now there's, you know, people want to do those internships that are with the NFL, but we need other internships that are in other settings like military, NASA, industrial, clinical, like physicians practice, um, you know, because the main ones right now is, and there's probably some out there and excuse my ignorance if there is, but, you know, other internships other than the NFL, you know, other than professional settings, you know, everyone's not interested in the NFL. Everyone's not interested in professional settings. They want to go work for NASA or they want to go work for NASCAR or they want to be a physician, an athletic trainer at physician practice, but there's not, yes, you do it in your clinical rotation, but other than that, that's it. So um, having paid internships in other settings. Um, nope, you're good on my end. Okay. I don't know what happened. Um, recruitment, um, just like with college coaches, like they do with uh, recruiting athletes. You know, there needs to be recruitment with um, athletic training students to visit these inner city schools. Uh, program directors need to visit these inner city schools and, you know, offer to have them come visit, pay for the visit, just like athletics would do. Um, more exposure, more service projects done. You know, there's one done 
um, during NATA with EDAC, um, but I think they also should be done um, at regional and local levels. Um, and then this last one, I, it got me thinking because I had went to a junior college. And when I went to a junior college, I was always interested in athletic training, but I ended up staying an extra year because I had tore my ACL. Um, but when I transferred to a four year, I had to start over. So instead of like transferring to a, into a program, I had to like start like level one as an athletic training student. Mm-hmm. So maybe if we can get JUCOs to partner with, you know, accredited four year schools or mm-hmm. in the, if you go here for two years and you can enter into our program as a level two versus a level one. Sure. So that way they're not in school additional years. Right. Um, also maybe, um, offer classes, the same classes at the four-year in an athletic training form, offer them at a two-year program, a discounted rate. And so that way they don't have to take it, you know, at the four-year and they've already taken it and got the cheaper price. So maybe Katie could do something, I don't know, partner with the JUCO. That way they they can also build up their retention of getting students in that program. Like you're you're guaranteed to get into – our athletic training program if you go to this two-year school so maybe something to think about but yeah um asking this one it's very it's selfishly asked but i think it'll apply for a lot of people um obviously um not diverse i'm talking about myself um pretty much the epitome of and i i don't hesitate to say this of white privilege when it comes to being you know white male but Mm -hmm. we're not i'm not in a very diverse part of the country um definitely not in our own state Mm -hmm. Um, that being said this is where i'm currently at you know and so we talked a little bit about this on the round table but again just you know for more insight on it like how could in my role potentially help do that like we don't have an overly diverse staff Mm -hmm. um or not overly diverse program yet it's still very small as we're in the process of you know really building up in that mm-hmm. transition um but obviously uh, along with what you've mentioned with reaching out act- actively recruiting mm-hmm. what other things do you think would help with that to help someone who would be a minority on our campus in our program feel that that's something that they might want to actually be a part of still be a part of the athletic training program yeah we're like we're as an example where i'm currently at okay um that was a lot of rambling (laughs) um it's okay um i mean because that'd be the the same thing if i had a position open and reached out to you mm -hmm. that you would want to move up into the winter um which Mm -hmm. would be its own argument to get somebody that's lived in houston up here but like helping ensure that this would be something that you would want to do, even though that it's not, we're we're not that diverse yet. I think um, as long as you make them feel safe um, and you do explain to them like, Hey, like just be honest and upfront. Like this is our initiative. You know, we really are trying to increase diversity, um, you know, and then just, make them feel safe and comfortable, give them the resources that you do have. Um, and then, you know, even ask them to help build whatever it is like the diversity you want. 
because mm-hmm. um, then they could potentially bring other people up, sure. you know, bring students. Because you know, I went to PWI. Well, it was a small school, but mainly. Um, and so I think we there were what attracted to me was there was another athletic training student in the program that was black, but also a part of the the vice president of like student affairs was black and then you know there was other black faculty mm-hmm. so and and I felt safe um but I think that's one thing is that you know making sure that person feels safe and that there are other minorities on campus sure and um I think also when I was you know in school we developed the black student union um and I don't know if that's something you have or like but you know figure out ways to develop, you know, support and resources for that person. And then if there's not any, then be like, hey, you can come on and help us build that. That sounds good. Because I know one of the big conversations we had with Mercedes was, you know, diversity is one thing and then the inclusion aspect is a whole other thing that it's not enough to just go into diversity. Like that, you gotta let everybody come to the table and be at that right make it happen so right um anything else around diversity and inclusion that we haven't touched on Um, not that i can think of um no well do you are you good jumping into those last um at chat five questions then sure absolutely all right um where do you see the athletic training profession going in the next five to 10 years? The next five to 10 years. Well, hopefully I'm really big on like emergent settings. Like everybody mm-hmm. knows an athletic trainers at a school, at a hospital maybe, or in the professional setting, but I'm big on, excuse me, emergent settings. So I'm hoping that like it's pushed more, it becomes more common to see an athletic trainer at an emergent setting. Um, it's not atypical. Um, also, more people of color and women on the national level and the regional level and in levels of position and positions of authority and decision making. Um, some down. Uh, more in diversity and inclusion, obviously, in general. Um, uh, more DAT programs, I think, um, and then hopefully PhD programs that is specifically to athletic training. And that's one thing I didn't touch on when I talked about the DAT, because um, a lot of people, you know, they want to get their doctorate because they want to go into academics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of institutions see, oh, you just have a DAT, so you can't teach with that. You, you can teach with a DAT, but they would much rather you have a PhD um, for like program directors, but you can be a clinical instructor. Um, So more DAT programs and hopefully PhD programs that focus on athletic training, but focus on clinical care and not just research with the PhD, so both. Um, And then of course, more program directors with people of color, more people of color program directors not just hiring those people of color in diversity and inclusion positions, but have them right. in those head positions and program directors. And um, yeah, so I had one more, but it like 
went over my head. I forgot. Yeah, if it comes back to me, I'll let you know. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that sounds good. Um, if you could go back and give yourself some advice as a young athletic trainer, first, when would this occur within your, your career and what would that advice be? Um, this would probably occur right when I graduated high school, maybe, or my first or second year of high school, but like be more involved, start networking early. I mm. went to NAT my senior year of my, I think my senior year when it was in Philly. Um, so, but don't be afraid to network, volunteer, reach out. Um, I never knew about EDAC until I went to NAT, I think. And I don't know if it's my own ignorance or just not being educated on it in sure. my program. Obviously, my program was, you know, mostly white. Yep. Um, so, but, you know, learn what's out there learn what resources is out there for you. Don't be ignorant to, you know, what's out there because there's our resources out there. Um, you know, you can't say you didn't know anything from your own ignorance. Uh, so educate yourself. Um, look into other certifications, especially while in um, college that can make you more marketable or that is um, beneficial to what you want to do and do with athletic training. Like, I wish I would have looked into other certifications like um, FMS or SFMA, things like that, Um, manual therapy. Like, you just learn the basics in your program, pretty much, or at least from my experience, it's probably better now, obviously, but you just learn the basics. You don't learn all the different types of manual therapy that's out there. So go out and get other certifications that's going to benefit you. Um, And then I would have told myself to get my master's degree in something other than that's like health related or health performance related. Um, My master's degree, yeah, my master's degree is in health kinesiology and sports studies. And I wish I would have gotten something totally that's not health kinesiology related um maybe like a business degree probably would have been very fun for me because you know I was mainly focused on you know athletic training but um definitely get something other than that could make you more marketable and make you take you to different ventures of athletic training I would have loved to have gotten that MBA instead of exercise science one yeah, and then I, on the certifications thing, totally agree, kick myself all the time for not doing it. But also remember, like, remember thinking back, like, man, that's a lot of money, which it was at the time. It, it, yeah. But man, if you can figure it out, because maybe you don't go to the bars three nights a week, you just go <laughs> once a week and you exactly. play some of those things. Like it is so worth it, especially early in your career when yes. you got to have something that sets you apart. Mm-hmm. You just don't have the experience to do it yet yeah exactly totally agree no that's extremely hard to say mm-hmm. um, but man I, I i say the same thing to every student <laughs> i have find the cheapest one that interests you and go get it done right exactly and they may even give you a discount because you're still a student so <laughs> yeah you don't need to go and do the two thousand dollar one like you can find <laughs> the ones for three four hundred bucks which i know still sounds like a lot of money and it's still mm-hmm. for me like i still hesitate but- yeah it is so worth it, especially early on. Right. Uh, what has been the most influential resource you have found in your career? Uh, the most influential resource? Honestly, this is going to sound so cliche. Like, if you would ask me this, like, in June, I would have said this. But now, I say Twitter. Like, You're not the first one. <laughs> 
Like, I mean, I wasn't like a Twitter fanatic like a couple of years ago, two years ago, but since this pandemic, like I like, yeah, it's so much knowledge and there's so many great people on there and they just spit gems and pearls day in and day out. And gosh, you can find so much on Twitter these days. And of course you got to fact check, but yeah, I mean, it's just amazing the stuff and yeah. So, and I used to, my Twitter used to be blocked like it was private so you couldn't retweet me but like since I unblocked it so like I could like yeah so people can follow they can DM me they can yeah Yeah. it's been I I totally agree like the I mean the podcast sure but using Twitter as a huge jumping off point Mm -hmm. for that like the people I've been able to connect with since March Mm -hmm. because of this it you know I I, there's no way there's just there's no feasible way I would have ever been able to connect with the, the people I have and have yeah. enjoyed all of it because right. I will continue to be in connection and wait till we can all congregate See each other yeah yeah but mm-hmm. yeah I feel like I know everybody yeah, like, a, I'm like yeah I know that person like we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah just let me shoot him a dm we'll, we'll get in right. Touch, no right if you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, um, or anything else in the field of athletic training, what would it be? Well, um, I would eliminate all modalities. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, and, and you see a lot of this combo. on. Um, <laughs> what'd you say? If I could keep combo. I would be. I'm pretty much on board with you. Yeah. Yeah pretty much slapping a mandate on but anyway <laughs> not gonna talk about that um but I saw this a lot just on Twitter um but just being critical towards one another uh I think we're or that we're stuck um you're not ever stuck like you just have to find a different approach over your barrier and be open-minded um like you know, for example, AT's complaining about salaries and work-life balance. Like, if you don't like it, go find another job um, that appreciates you. That yeah. it's huh? always yeah. right. That's always it's a hard decision, but it's always the one you can make. Right. Um, find somebody that appreciates you and values you, and, and you, that you pay that pays you well. You know, that was my situation before I got the job at, that I was at. Now, like, I did feel like I was stuck because. You know, I did apply. I started applying jobs three years before I got a job and because I was just ready to leave, especially after finishing the DAT. Like I, I felt like I wasn't being heard, that I didn't have a voice, that they were that um, they were very resistant to what I was trying to do. as Because obviously I got better after the DAT. I wanted to do more things and I just felt like they were resistant to. So um yeah, just, you're not stuck. Um, so uh, go find where you're appreciated. And um, if you don't like it, like, figure it out. Um, another thing is, like, I think we are, we are our own worst critics. Um, so be open and be open to change and criticism. Um, a lot of people hear our tone and not the message or hear the tone and not the message um, coming from others. And I think we take, we're quick to take offense. Sure. Um, and this is just what I see on social media. I mean, it may be different. And obviously, texting and social media, you don't hear anything. So, um, going through text then, can be pretty tough sometimes. Right. Um, and then some, instead of rebuting someone's statement of why you did it or disregarding how they felt, ask them what they can do 
to change their approach and to not make somebody feel a certain way. So, um, and this is just obviously what I said on Twitter, but yep. I mean, but so those are some things I would change as far. And probably that's just in general, not even as an athletic trainer, like some words of wisdom. Yes, given the world today, I think those are very good words. Yeah. Uh, final question is, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Uh, being an athletic trainer, uh, being an educator, a mentor, um, innovator, a safe space for all, um, a consultant, a voice of reason, an influencer, Um meteorologist to swear like our coaches every 10 minutes how much more time we got <laughs> still got 30 minutes coach um <laughs> uh yeah um person anybody can go to for advice pretty much anything like you know I work at a high school setting and so mm -hmm. one of the things at a high you hear everything you hear all the gossip you hear this you hear that but the kids love you because they trust you and they know you're not going to tell anybody else obviously because you can't um you're just used to not you know so yeah that's one thing I do like about the high school setting they, the kids keep you young you know you can stay up to date on the current trend right. and hot topics and stuff like that so yeah we're just really being an athletic trainer just being really a jack of all trades like you really got each healthcare uh, a skill of each healthcare profession I absolutely well said um, I, I like I like the list. <laughs> Thanks. No, I think that that's perfect. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, if anybody wanted to connect with you or reach out, uh, obviously you had mentioned that your Twitter is fully open. Uh, where would be the best place to do that? Uh, to just to connect with you if they wanted to. Uh, oh, uh, you can uh, Twitter capital underscore kt. You can email me. Ka Tyreeton at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Mostly Facebook and Instagram are pictures of my daughter, but you know, you can always find me there. I mainly talk about athletic training on Twitter, though. I really don't post about athletic training on Facebook or Instagram. So same. Yeah. same. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we finally got to do this. And yes. I appreciate you taking the time. Yes. That's great. I look forward to connecting in the future. Yes, definitely.